Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go over to the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best place to interact and be a part. Uh, definitely, Nick. A lot of fun stuff that we'll talk about today. We'll come out of there. Let's get into some buy and sell. Listen, I'll go first I, because actually inside of the group I talked about and I sent a photo. I was going to buy this guy. We've all seen him. Love the guy. He's always funny. I actually admitted I was a part of still being this guy. Is the window washer guy at the gas station, right? Like a lot of fun with that guy. And I took a photo, put it in the group. People had a great time with it. I'm, I'm buying something different, though. And I'm buying something different because I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. You understand why? So Uber headed to Oktoberfest, really excited, ready to go. Guess who I get as the Uber driver? I get Ford Bronco guy. Oh, Drink. had to pay that. Had to pay that nine hundred dollar payment, huh? <laughs> Love it. Here's what's interesting. So here's what I'm buying, and I'm buying. I'm buying the guy at Ford who thought it was a game changer because he must have seen the videos on TikTok where people are like at the car wash spraying down the inside of their cars. Because here's what here's what Ford Bronco guy tells me, because we're in a Badlands edition, and I'm looking at this interior and I go, interesting interior you got here. Oh yeah. It's so that I can just hose it down and rinse it yep. out and ready to go. Let's that's the original Jeep idea. <laughs> I go, great. I'm buying. I'm buying. I mean, I mean, whoever did that off of solely so that I could take a, a hose, I'm going to yeah. put this entire form of a dash and change out the doors, everything on just so that somebody can say, hey, I can hose it down. Here's what you'll love even better, Nick. Here's what you'll love even better. Well, how do you like it? Oh, man, I just love the ride. It feels so great. I'm I'm 30 seconds wow. into it, still getting out of the wow. neighborhood, going, wow, I can feel my butt in this seat. That's not the way this should be, right? Like what? Whoa. Buddy, what were you driving before? A lawnmower? Like what An what Explorer. were you driving? Traded in for there's, the Explorer. There's there's no way the Explorer the Bronco rides increasingly worse. I mean and this was this multitudes was even the worse. Bronco sport. Oh no, no, no. That's not a Bronco. Yeah, no, I'm out. No, nope. I would have got out of the Uber. I'd have been like, "You're gonna have to stop, man. This is, I'm out, dog. Like you, 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 you bought, you, you got ripped off here. You don't realize that I'm out." Um, uh, but your Jeep, your Jeep has the plugs in the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you know that spraying out an interior is wild, but the original Jeeps that I owned, that's kind of the only option you had. You know, there wasn't really any carpet. You know, it was more of just like a hard metal floor and so completely spraying this whole dash down electronics and all good to go no way he did not say that wow how'd you not get out of that uber and be (laughs) like i think we might get in a wreck on the way to Oktoberfest. we're gonna have to find another uber thanks doug we're out of here that's crazy man i haven't been in an uber in a minute though um there is some wild stuff in ubers i'm i'm gonna I'm going to buy this week. So headed down to the NLCS. I literally did a 
get there a couple hours before the game, leave right after the game on a flight. So good trip. You know, great seats, great park. Don't have any problems there. But we go and grab something to eat before the game. And so we're having a couple of beers. A bunch of my buddies are down there. I mean, we got a bunch of people down there. And so I like things extremely spicy. And when I say extremely, and I don't think about it. I don't, it's not like something I talk about. It's just however you like your food out there. Eat your food the way you like it. So I order some wings at this place and everybody orders some wings. My buddy goes, he's had a few beers at this point. He's like, I want one of those wings. And I said, all right, man, grab a wing. My buddy next to me looks at me. He goes, uh, he doesn't like hot food. I'm like, well, maybe he's just had too many drinks. Hand it to him. He's about halfway through the wing, and we just hear the coughing, the gagging. Oh, my God, somebody give me something to drink. Starts chugging beer, making it worse. He's miserable for, like, the next 30 minutes. And I'll say this. There's few things in life that give me the pleasure than watching somebody that can't handle spicy food, that wanted to try spicy food, and they're just completely – it's almost like delirious. They're, like, delirious of where they're at. It's like they're a stroke victim. You know what I mean? They're just, for 30 minutes, they're outside their body. One of my favorite things to witness. Now, mind you, nobody at the table was talking about it. Nobody told him to have a wing. Nobody was talking about anything to do with hot food. And he's just like, yeah, I want one of those. I can handle hot stuff. Two bites in, and this dude was sweating. You know, oh, my God. You know, almost like uh, what you would call guy yelling. You know, not like yelling at anybody, but talking really loud. And like trying to get the waitress's attention to bring him water while he was chugging his beer and making it worse, dude. That made the whole trip worth it. I mean, the game was fun, you know, great, great everything, whatever. Flights were easy, no problem. It made it worth it 100% to watch this guy struggle for that 30 minutes. That's worth a flight to me. And that's how petty I am. I love seeing that stuff. So I'm going to buy that. <laughs> Definitely. For people that uh, that don't like spicy foods, you've never been in that moment. <laughs> it is hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I love spicy, but I also am not afraid to go ahead and admit, like, oh yeah, it's hot here. I, I'm sweating. I'm snorting. Like, I, I actually kind of enjoy that too. There's a there's a soup I like here that's really hot, <laughs> and it's a fish soup, and it's a Chinese at a Chinese location. I love to get that when I'm all congested. Yeah. You know, I can't. Yep. I don't feel good, and it's just. That spice Dude, have you have you everything. seen that? Have you seen that farmer going around the internet that when he gets a sinus infection, he goes out to his farm and picks hot, fresh jalapenos and stuffs them up his nose? He like just does it. He there's no expression on his face. That's He's like, bit. oh, if you get a sinus infection, he just cut it right down the middle and goes boom. And you just got to read these comments. People are like, oh my god, I would die. Oh my god. So look, if you like spicy food, really, really spicy food, great. If you don't, great. It does. It, People get so caught up on it, and this dude, this dude, and we were we were at the game, and he went and got ice cream because his mouth was still on fire, and so I was making the helmet jokes. I said, "Are you going to come back with one of those helmets full of ice cream? Is that what you're going to do, like a little baby?" <laughs> so of course he comes down, got one of those little helmets, dude. I mean, this guy ruined his trip over. Now, he was there for, like, the the first couple games. So he was there for, like, three or four days. Guys down – you know, a lot of those guys went down. I just went down for the day. You know, missed the UFC fight. So if everybody's looking for an update, I'll have to get back to you. I'm going to watch them probably tonight. Haven't had a chance yet. I uh, got them recorded. But, dude, 
watching people struggle with spice still one of the top things on my list yeah absolutely <laughs> a lot of fun there okay so update for everybody that wanted to know oktoberfest beers i know i've been sent quite a message want to know the menu for, no, i'm just joking people didn't want to know but <laughs> yeah nobody, nobody have, wanted to know i did have my favorite beer which is my favorite beer and i realized when i first drank this beer i realized at that moment the conception of fruity pebbles king had to have happened at that moment because it's Franz and Sconer Hefeweizen is my favorite beer of all time. And for those of you that know Hefeweizens, well, you know that usually there's a taste that happens at the end of it. While you're drinking, people either have a clove, they sense and they taste a little bit of clove, but the most common is banana. Wow. Bingo. Wow. I'm, I'm in. I I'm, realized I'm this weekend, I'm I went, speechless. oh, yeah. This is why we just went from ghost peppers to bananas. Like you guys got to be stopped, dude. I'm just telling you, like, don't be shocked when, when the rising up happens, like, you know, in Terminator two, the rise of the machines, like people are tired of the fruity pebbles gang. I hate to break it to you guys drinking beers, acting tough. Oh man. I love the banana aftertaste of this beer. So speaking of beers, I did uh, bring uh, another one of your favorites today. This is, I told you I would the other day, uh, Rumpy, Rum Barrel Aged Pumpkin Ale. How about them apples? Rum well, Barrel Aged Pumpkin Ale. Coming how about in, them apples to me when you're drinking a pumpkin ale? That's, that's an aggressive move. An aggressive move. <laughs> coming in at 9%. So later in the episode, I'm not sure. It might be mostly Nick. We're, we'll, we'll find might out. Might be loopy. Might be loopy. All right. So mm -hmm. who was loopy? Let's let's go through this. We got two uh two local, not local, but two uh American companies, or you know, we've got these most American now, which is funny at Oktoberfest. Tesla was there, which was cool. Oh, Tesla at Oktoberfest, and they were claiming most American made vehicles are cooler, right? It was cool. So now now it's if you're more American made, UAW, right? We'll figure all this stuff out. Then which one is cooler? Uh, we've got coming from Ford, a muscle car going off-road. 2024 Mustang now going to a truck. Hmm. What do you think? Nick? Man, they're just they're just they're just bleeding that Mustang name. They got the Mach E, they got the Mustang, then they got the the super rare Mustang. They're gonna be building a select number of carbon fiber body, I believe. Now it's a truck. I'm sure they're gonna do a safari Mustang. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe just build cars that don't turn the e-brake on on the freeway before you keep doing all this stuff. But look, there is some news out of Ford. Bill Ford, uh, obviously, you know, with his name, he's a part of the Ford family and the, the chairman of the company, basically admitting that if a deal is not right with the UAW, Ford could be no longer. And I think that's probably the first time anybody in that family has used that kind of verbiage. Uh, so is that you know, him trying to get people back to the table, probably, but you just had more people strike today at the biggest Stellantis plant and just seems to be spreading far and wide now. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. It will be. It'll be interesting to see if they get to pull together the patent that I guess GM just filed for a wireless trailer connection. Now that's pretty yeah, why, cool. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, we don't have any problems with trailers flying off cars as it is. That's just, you know, see what we can do to make it even more robust 
uh, since we haven't figured it out very well now. Because I'm sure in your career, you've seen a few trailers fall off the back of trucks at this point. Hey, listen, I have. But maybe down the rung a little bit from watching somebody choke and gag and sweat off of Hot Foods is watching somebody try and back up and get into a trailer. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there is some of these jokes that if they do get everything done they could have some pretty cool things, especially we've all laughed at people backing boats down into the lake at a, at a, yeah. at a boat ramp. And, you know, if they officially finally have one of those that does it automatically for you, you know, some people claim, but whoo, boy, that's, that gets to be a lot of fun watching people back a, a boat down into a ramp. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. It. Especially when it's like slippery and you can see the, the truck just sliding and you think it's just headed right for the water. Oh yeah, dude, nothing better. Well, or the, the boat's just going sideways this way, and then they get it going sideways back yeah. the other way. Just <laughs> keep like, jackknifing both ways. It's like, yeah. dude, just, just let's straighten her out. Start over. Yeah, dude, I, it is funny. All right, a couple of posts out of the specialist group, which is fun to see. A lot of progression happening while others are, you know, claiming stuff and this and that. Like, we're just seeing steady progression out of a, a lot of people inside the group that I want to, you know, just talk about for a second. It's cool to see Justin. We got Dale. Uh, we've got Brian. These are some posts and these are some guys that are, are using hyperclean coatings and they're having a lot of great results, not only changing what their customers have been experiencing from other people, but also changing and progressing their, you know, their business. This is what comes out of Justin's post. He's, he's really been progressing there in Colorado, getting people to get uh, on his winter prep package. So that's a great other people that, there's other people that ask about, hey, what to do going into winter? A winter prep package is is really a great option for somebody if you're looking for that. Hey, how do I not lures the wrong word, right? Like maybe recapture into your business or or get yeah. them back in. You know, a winter prep package. You guys don't have that in Vegas, I guess. It's more of no, a, but we have we have we have summer prep here because remember the harshest part you know for for customers cars so we stack a lot of things in the springtime as far as you know getting one two three and five year coatings on cars you know pre summer protect from the heat protect from the UVs so yeah if you're in a harsh winter area I'd be hard pressed to say you should probably be the busiest before winter honestly like you should. Here we should be busiest before the summer because summer's so harsh here. If you're in a in a in a winter area that gets salt and all this kind of grime, hard pressed to 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 tell me you should be bit busier in the springtime than in the fall. I mean, I would assume for a lot of guys, if you build this right, your fall could be just booming. Well, and we had yeah, you UNCM detail, and he asked, you know, hey, headed into my first winter, right? So I I can appreciate that he's saying this is my first one. So he, yep. he's not sure what to not sure what to expect. Now, if, for instance, this would kind of be where you say, hey, if best thing to do would go work for somebody for a while. You could begin to understand the landscape. You could begin to understand, you know, how to go through into a winter's. But he was probably like me and just jumped straight out. Sure. Jump business. Right. I didn't have a clue what to do in my first winter except starve. You know, and that's yeah. that's when yep. I decided to get into power washing. And I was like, okay, I can't just have this equipment, you know, sit idle at night. You know, I, I can work during the night. I don't. It's okay with me. Yeah. You know, maybe a thing is like what Dale posted. Dale did a new to me 
type package for somebody because there are people still getting cars and being able to upgrade somebody that just got a, a new to me vehicle that might say, Hey, I just need a sealant. Well, using Uno like Dale did to upgrade them, uh, using Uno or Dose as a you know winter package, this is the right time to go after them. Yeah, and, and again, you know, used cars have always been extremely popular. You know, our whole life, people like buying used. They feel like that some of the depreciations out of the vehicle. What a great time to sell a one step in a coating, right? Let look, man. You know, you bought a used vehicle. It's not in perfect shape. That that is tougher for some new car sales, right? To get them to understand they need a quick polish and a coating. That's a that's a very different type of human being. But when somebody buys used, be like, you know, this is a great time to say, hey, make the interior your yours. Let's go through a full steam clean and revive and get get everything brought up to spec, you know, for you and get this to be not only new to you, but probably better than it was new to the person that bought it new. And and so I think Going after those those used cars, you know, you're looking at used cars still average price forty to sixty thousand dollars now for the cars people want. That's not chump change. You know, great time to sell somebody a, a four hundred to a thousand dollar package to get them, you know, new to me but better than new. Period by getting a one step of coating and a nice interior deep clean. I think that'd be a great package. All right, here's something to discuss that I think is is interesting for you and I to go back and forth. I think there'll be plenty of people that can get some nuggets out of it and they might sort through it themselves and think through some things because you've got, right, you've got people wondering, what do I need to do going, moving forward into these moments? I love that Kevin mentioned, you know, get maintenance clients. You and I, we don't need to, absolutely. That is a big major answer, okay? What about another thing to think about? And that kind of comes out of a a post from Brian where Brian talked about extra things that you could do for customers. I wonder, and let's have this little discussion. I wonder if moving into the winter, moving into this time of the economy, everything of this moment, is it for some, these new packages using Uno in a certain way, or I wonder if some would lean towards the way of, Hey, maybe I need to, ramp up my value proposition. And I don't mean, as you said a second ago, sale, not necessarily you run a sale and discount, but you are meaning sell to somebody going through a sales process. I wonder if there's something we could do value wise for the customer where Brian was talking about adding on, maybe that's a add on of, he mentioned, you know, uh, changing wiper blades, but that's only going to go so far. I wonder if it's, Add on glasses, the ceramic coating you put on the windshield. I, some people will add on, you know, a service like whim, we, rims. What do you think? Is it add on a service or what about a trinket? You know, what about a, a cup holder thing? Or what about something that hangs in, you know, what is something that reminds them? Because remember, trinkets used to be pretty big uh, yeah. back in the day yeah. to get people to come back in and keep top of mind awareness. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I would say the value proposition of, you know, adding a glass coating, you know, to my coating job, you know, free of charge, tell them it's a 99, 199, you know, value to you. We're going to add it into your package. Uh, I would say, you know, that's, let's take it to the interior. Let's say you're going to do, uh, you're going to use Revive and just, you know, bring the, the, the interior back to a better condition. 
What if you add a steam cleaning for free? Now, mind you, I'm not talking about extracting seats or anything like that, something, but steam helps you work a little bit quicker anyway. And you can say, you know, this is normally a $299 upgrade. We're adding in a value for you. We're going to go ahead and do a, a deep clean service. That's a way you can add. Because remember, if you already have a steam cleaner and it's just sitting there and it makes you more efficient if you use it, you're giving them extra service, but you're not really doing anything but adding a little bit of, you know, uh, distilled water into your to your steamer. You're not really doing anything uh, that's hurting you from a time value perspective. When you get good with hyperclean glass, you can put a glass coating on the windshield in a very short period of time, but it's very beneficial to them. And so I think I think you look at those things. I'm big on the value proposition. I'm not so big on trinkets because, look, if you're going after high-value individuals, the odds that they want trinkets in their car is about 0% from my, my experience. So I'd be careful of going that route because you're probably going to be doing business with a certain type of customer that most of you are always complaining that you want to get out of. So high value customers, look, you have a lot, you've done a business with high value customers. Do you think any of them wanted an air freshener hanging from their rear view or anything like that? So I think that's a little bit tougher, but I do like, you know, the value proposition of adding something that doesn't cost you a bunch time-wise or product-wise. So let's go over that because you're right. This becomes part of that differentiator of who's our customer base and what we're going after. Absolutely right zero i would i'd go zero percent of my influential high-end customers wanted anything into their vehicle but if they're the one percent then how many of them are there actually in my area that i could control right like control meaning i didn't have any other detailers going after them okay yep. for most detailers i would say listening probably see that to them themselves. They don't have a business that is completely saturated with one percenters. Yep. They mostly have the middle class type person who might like a little air freshener, right? That, that sure. person might like something that would add in. This becomes, you know, that part of what we talk about this. What are you attracting? Who are you attracting into your business? And this becomes that dialogue there's no right answer there really isn't if that's your customer except maybe right maybe the game change for this moment isn't adding something in but it's maybe being the guy that never misses maybe yeah. it's not that you're adding but maybe it's that you never miss and you're always talking to them you're always reminding them of stuff you're always giving them something that is valuable that's information and maybe a, take you a little bit more work. Yeah. But isn't yeah, actually be, it, a it's more item. it's more service, right? It's more it's more of providing a customer service experience, right? People think about I'm going to leave a business card wrapped in a towel and all these things that and they they view that as customer service where what you're talking about is more customer service on the educational side, you know, I'm going to be around, I'm going to talk to you more. Maybe I'm going to send a few text messages. Maybe I'm going to follow up a little better. Maybe I'm going to have an email program, maybe whatever the case may be. I think this is the the time if, if you're out there thinking through this is, is, you know, what's the right position for you to be in, right? Are you just adding these little trinkets in because you saw it on social media or because it's well thought out for your customer base 
And when you, when you actually leave those in there, 95% of people say, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. If they're not saying it's the greatest thing in the world, then they don't think it's the greatest thing in the world, right? So this is where you have to look at yourself, what you believe, who you're trying to attract. And again, because so many people reach out to us about how do I do business with a higher level type of client, whatever that means in your area, every area has a higher class of person. If you're trying to get into the higher class, the only thing I can pass on, the only thing you can pass on is they don't like trinkets. That, that's the only thing I know. So I'm not saying don't do it. If it works for you, that's great. If you're also saying you want to do business with a higher class of, of car owner, they're going to hate the trinket. And they're, it's going to actually upset them at some point and be like, Jesus, I'm tired of throwing this stuff away. So you, you got to make you got to make the decision and just stick to it. You know, you could do like odor neutralizer spray. You could do a lot of things to add value to the to to the people you're doing business with now. So I would go the route of just adding value through a tiny bit of an upgraded service rather than worry about a trinket. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. And I, I love this too out of Adam. Adam said that he uses hyper clean coatings on his cars. And then he says he loves them as much as his customers do. And here's the, yeah. here's the last point of, of this little part that I wanted to talk about is maybe what some people need to do when you're talking about that value proposition is you need to put hyperclean coatings on your own car. You need to be as passionate about your own vehicle and the way you take care of it and what you do as what you're expecting and trying to oh, yeah. sell or teach or educate or provide the service that you're trying to give to your customers. When you believe in it and when you believe in something, you always talk about it. You always tell other people about it. You always find a reason to do it, right? Yeah, so, you'd, be, you'd be surprised how many people run a PPF shop and don't have PPF on their car. You know, you'd be surprised how many people run a coating business and don't have a coating on their car. I mean, that, that's been historically something we've seen our entire career. The best part for me was... The first coatings I ever put on cars, I was on a conference call with a bunch of people putting it on my car in my garage, right? So I knew the realities of coatings from my experience, as well as putting it on, you know, cars in my household that even I wasn't driving and seeing how it made it easier to maintain and it stayed cleaner longer. And, and so I got that experience. There's a lot of guys that don't ever get that experience on their own stuff. And if you have team members, you should absolutely pay them to work on their own vehicle when you have some downtime, work on their own vehicle, put a coating on their car so they believe in it. You know, I mean, these are the things, it's a great point. You need to believe in it from firsthand knowledge, not only of how to put a coating on, but that you believe in these things. You believe in PPF. If you run a tent shop and your car's not tinted, that seems kind of weird, right? So... These are the kind of things that, that are great to bring up from time to time. Does believing in something add 10% to your bottom line? Right? Oh, no I, question. I, no it's question. a great question. And I would say yes, right? I'll go back to something yeah. that you said, you say it's, and I always love to, to go it both ways, is emotion creates motion. Or is it motion creates the emotion? Not sure. Yep. Right? Yep. Like both go synonymous together. You start really believing in something you're going to put it on and you're going to make sure that your vehicle is taken care of that emotion, or is that the emotion of you doing it 
which started the the turn. And then as you begin to really believe in it, your emotion will create their motion of wanting it on their vehicle also. Like it, it's a great thing to do. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to some process questions. And this is one from Samuel. All right. Samuel says, has anyone ever used hyperclean ceramics outside in the sun? Got a big vehicle coat, can't pull it into the shop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I'm going to go Uno and Dose. You can't. Especially right now, we're in the fall, right? Yep. Let's say if you're in the summer, you can do it outside in the sun. I wouldn't go direct sun. I wouldn't go, you know, above 90 degrees. I mean, and you would say, we all say, yeah, you're just going to go a lot smaller. The, the, what, can it be done? Yes. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, look, we got guys in Arizona that put Uno in the middle of summer, 115 degrees, and there's videos of it. And they, they show what they do. And again, you start getting into Trey and Sparta. That's that's going to make your life really difficult. You could end up in some tough situations because of the, the, the active solids and those coatings and the levels they're at. Uno and Dose, no question, especially this time of year. And I don't think you'll struggle in most places if you're in the shade in the summer, to be very upfront about it. So 100%, slap it on there, watch what you're doing, pay more attention, you know, get into a little shaded area, you know, whatever, bring an awning with you, one of those pop-up tents with you, whatever you got to do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a no-brainer, man. Sometimes you just got to get the job done. All right, Dave's got a white car with car wash scratches. Dave wants to know what's the difference between the HyperClean Blue and the HyperClean Yellow Pad? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Blue's going to cut a little bit more. Uh, still finishes down really well. If I had car wash scratches, unless it was extremely soft paint, I'd be reaching for the blue. That's my opinion. Unless I had extremely soft paint, I'd be reaching for the blue on medium to extremely hard paint, no questions asked. Uh, again, GMC blacks, GM or uh, Tesla black, things like that, they can get pretty soft. Hondas, blacks, th those can get a little bit touchy. You want a little bit softer pad. But being able to get all the scratches out, even if there's like a hint of haze, your customer is going to be more happy. So get the scratches out, right? Because most of the time, that tiny bit of haze, only a, we can see it. And by the way, you can get haze out like by one pass on a second step very quickly in like 15 minutes around a mid-sized SUV if you need to. So you could do a one and a half step. Uh, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I'd reach for the blue. Cool. All right, C10 Nick is working here in a couple days on a hood that has half PPF, right? So we've seen it quite a bit. Now, usually as you get into more of the higher-end cars, most of those guys don't do the half scoops. It's usually yep. kind of may maybe a little bit lower-end car, or maybe it's an older car. Because yeah. let's say it's a Lexus, but it's a seven- or eight-year-old Lexus. That seven- or eight-year-old Lexus. Or dealership applied. Cool. Yeah, yeah, dealership dealership applied. They're, most of your partial hoods are still coming from a dealership. Uh, those are very cheap packages to put on, very little film. Uh, we don't even offer those, just so everybody knows. I don't do anything partial hood. It's so easy to do a whole hood. It's unnecessary at this point. But he's got some debris, right? Yeah, he's got some dirt on the edges. He's got... You know, he's got the buildup that makes it look ugly. It's a white vehicle to, to kind of give everybody the story. This is a really simple fix. Take something like TRX, 
and a foamer if you got it. If you don't, just use it with a sprayer. Take a, a detail brush, kind of angle it, and start working the edge itself. Uh, the key here is when you rinse, you want to rinse back towards the windshield, not try to use your nozzle and go down towards the edge where the edge is because you'll lift. <laughs> your pressure washer will start to lift. Um, so when you're rinsing it off, just wash back towards the windshield and then wash it, wash it off to the left or the right passenger or driver's side. Uh, but TRX would be a great, you know, use it four to one here. You know, don't let it dry on the film. There, there's a number one thing you don't do. Don't let any chemical dry on the film when you're trying to do this. It, it could just have adverse reaction, but that'll work great. All right. So he was in that part, was trying to get that, you know, dirt or whatever has got inside and trapped in that edge, which is why most of the PPF that wants to do it more to an elite level, they don't ever do halves anymore. You know, it's, it's that full hood. But if we get, as you mentioned, I'm great point to maybe from a dealership might be a new car that's come from a dealership. Great point. Let's say we've got a polish and that's the same. That's kind of question yeah. two that he has, right? Polishing a half clip. What do we need yep. to do? Do we're taping down? What do we do? No, nope, I'm not taping down. Uh, if I'm using a polish, you know, let's just call it a run in the mill, medium cut polish. Um, obviously, you're not you're going to want to keep the edge of your pad away from that. You can tape it if it makes you feel more comfortable. But actually, what I would do, especially if it's PPF, that's a little bit worse for wear, is I would lightly polish the PPF. You can take some of that contamination and some of those markings out of it. Mind you, I'm telling you, don't use compound on that, okay? If it's polish, go ahead and polish it very, very lightly. Yeah, you may have some adverse reaction, uh, meaning that you're, you're kind of abrading the top coat. I understand that, but we're talking about something that's worse for the wear, right? What we're probably going to do on this car is we're going to reapply a ceramic coating. So I'd reapply ceramic coating right onto the film, right onto the paint behind it or, you know, above it, and I'd be done. Uh, but if you don't want to get stuff in the edge of the PPF, it is smart to just tape that edge, you know, just to give yourself a reminder. All right. So over the past, uh, you know, three years we've been together, you have said a couple times that you believe clay bar is the most misunderstood. Oh, no question. Definitely. Number Not even one misunderstood. Okay. Well, it, and silicone, not in tire dressing, is those are probably two of like, you know, oh, I got this non-silicone and silicone dressing. It's like, no, man, that's not how it works. But, oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah, those, those two are one and two with a bullet. All right. I'm going to now say I think, well, since great, we're moving right into tire shine, is tire shine is actually the one that has the most variables to it. It's probably one of the hardest products <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me still coming out of allergy season here uh <laughs> in oklahoma uh still one of the most hardest things with the most variables to do per customer per tire i was having this conversation yeah. with somebody earlier and let's go through it for a second right how many different not only types of tires brands of tires then years of tires because we've yep. all sprayed tire yep. shine on a new tire and we sprayed it on an old tire. So we got the variable of age, right? Then we got the variable of the molding tread in a sense, you know, as, as I talked to you about, might have all those different lines right down the, the might yep. be plain and clean, right? Tires yep. all have different 
faces in a sense. So you'll also then have the next variable is the preference of the end user, the, the end customer, the, the, the car owner, right? Yeah. So what do you do for a tire shine? When you have three different variables, now we understand why you've got to come out with different types of tire shines to yep. meet all these different variables. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. It's an exciting day for another product. Actually, two products, yeah, two products. that we're releasing today. Yeah, New. I mean, you 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 kind of yeah you kind of laid it out. So let's before we talk about the two products we're releasing is one of the hardest things, and this is where Ultra Dress comes in. If you're very picky about the finishes you like on your tires, you need a very dilutable dressing. That way you can get exactly what you want, right? They're, you're going to dilute it to your use and what you like. That's where Ultra Dress fits in, right? Also, for guys that just like controlling their shine, sometimes they want to do high shine, they want a medium shine, they want a low shine that they carry around for different customers or for you at home. Maybe you have a vehicle you like high shine, another vehicle you like lower shine. That's where dilutables come in. But we also needed to add to our lineup. So we have a product coming out called Quick Shine, which is essentially non-dilutable. When you use it, it's going to give you a matte-like finish. So you know a great place to use this is engine bays as well as tires because a lot of people don't want that greasy look on their, their engine bays, but they want the dress look. So you got a little bit of a matte finish. You can kind of spray it while it's wet, kind of walk away. It'll level out. It'll be pretty matte. Uh, but it's a matte tire shine, okay? So what this means, and let's go over the term matte. Matte means we're going to leave it to as natural as we can while adding tire shine to the surface. That's matte. This is to get a finish on your tires that looks natural, darkened, natural look. Marty struggles with this, okay? Marty loves... <laughs> A shiny tire. So as we're developing this product and he keeps going, I think I'd like more shine. I know. I sent him a picture one day, right? And I go, this is your tire shine. Yeah. And the purpose of a quick shine is, look, if you're looking for a little bit more of an affordable option, this is going to be more affordable than Ultra Dress. If you're looking for something just to put in a bottle and go, and you're not worried about diluting and you just want quick access, you want to do engine bays and different things like that, this will leave fenders with a natural look inside fender wells. This is just the perfect product. And these kind of products have been out for a very long time. We needed to add them into our system so you guys have access to them. And look, there's a lot of guys especially with low pro tires now, Porsche, Ferrari, you know, uh, you know, all the, you know, Mustang, Camaro, all these types of vehicles, guys are getting away from higher shine products. And so most of the time you're going to see guys that drive like TRX or Raptor also have sports cars. They like the natural look. This is the product for you. Again, it's a matte look. That's what it is. So this is a very universal, what you would call universal dressing. You can use it. It's not going to offend anybody. You also can achieve, for the guys that like Matt, you can achieve that finish. That's the importance of this product. Simple, clean, right? Love it. When you're not that guy and you are more of the Jeep guy, the off-road guy, or you know, listen, Dustin and the people in the off-road community or people that uh, you know love bikes and love all that stuff, they love this type of the next one, right? But it's an interesting product 
that you kind of really questioned. Yes. Right? You did. Because, yep. you know, Infinite Shine is not like Ultra Dress and it's not like, you know, Quick Shine. Infinite Shine is a completely different style of tire shine. Yep. And we're happy to to release it because I love the way we built it. You know, part of the reason why some of this infinite shine style of, of tire shine hasn't been popular over, I would say the last 10 years yeah. is because two reasons. One, too greasy, right? Most of the tire shines that might be similar to this, and we're going to, you know, a blue purple type of tire shine, like they have over the past 10 years and traditionally through the industry been way too greasy. Yep. Yeah, that donut shine, that grease look. We didn't want that, right? No way. That wasn't going to be a part of our lineups. We wanted to make sure that we didn't have that greasy look to it. We didn't want yep. that. But we wanted a good, clean look. It's got a good shine to it. And what we're already hearing from so many people about what's progressed even more about Infinite Shine, once you go and finish it down, I mean, everybody wants that no sling type of stuff. Oh, yeah. This is one of those absolute no sling type of products. Yeah. And look, this is a solvent based. It's going to last longer than any water based product. Solvent always lasts a little bit longer, a lot longer than water based dressings. This is great for chassis. You guys that have lifted trucks, they want to dress up the chassis underneath. Perfect product for that. Perfect. This is where my guys have loved this product, and they, this is where it changed my mind. TRX, Raptor, lifted trucks, guys that that want a medium shine. <clears throat> excuse me. Want a medium shine, not a high shine, non-sling product that dries really nicely, doesn't have that, like you said, greasy feel and look, and it's a lot easier to apply on a bigger tire, a Jeep tire, a Raptor tire, a TRX tire, a, a Dodge or a, a Duramax tire or a Dodge 1500 tire. When you start working on bigger tires, solvent becomes a lot easier to work with, right? You got to work water-based into those big knobby tires. This, you can kind of spray it, go do some other things that kind of self levels. And then you go and hit the dry spots with your brush a little bit just makes things a little bit easier. And, and look, for those that have bad weather, right? Winter weather's coming. You're about to dress some tires. It's about to leave your shop or you're about to do it mobily. Solvent's going to hold up better to the elements. It's that simple. So this may be a perfect winter dressing for all of you that have winter weather. This can hold up. doesn't mean it's going to hold up perfectly, but it's going to hold up better than a water-based. And so We've actually been using it a little bit for some of my customers that like a little bit of a medium shine on low pro tires. Man, a couple squirts into your applicator, go around a tire, you're done. Where water based, you got to be a little bit. Hey, did I get some in the tread? Did I get you know? Did I did I you know jam some here? It becomes a little easier. So my guy, my guys have become a fan of it. I've become a fan of it through your explanation over and and developing something with our team. That is something we can be proud of and doesn't look obnoxious on cars, on trucks. This is a, a really a product that kind of changed my mind. Yeah, it is. And that's what I love when we talk about, you know, the yin and yang of you and I, right? Like this was one of those products. It was more of what I'm used to. It was something that you were like, whoa, hold on. 
Can yeah, we yeah. really do like, because I mentioned what it used to be like 10 years ago, right? Like, and I think the comments coming out from some of the people we've sent it to one was pretty cool. It talked about it. It's not a soupy. There's some of those yeah. solvent based tire shines that are just soupy and they're almost kind of gooey. And they leave those run lines a little bit mm -hmm. and they, you know, it just, it just kind of a headache. If it gets on a rim because you oversprayed it, it becomes really tough to get off or to level out. It, it, this is not that. And, and again, we've probably had this formula somewhat done for like six months, seven months. Yeah, it's actually like that. one that, yeah, we, I sell locally, right? I mean, it's one that I began to build up and began to do with some of my local customers. And then when we bought it, brought it into HyperClean, we, we changed some little stuff. We, we refined it out and it's like, okay, there's this part I'd like to change out. You know, there's a solvent we wanted to, to mix yeah. with and put in a different type of solvent. And it's like, okay, this is a viable product that, hey, I wonder if it could go out into the industry Will people use it as the progression of the guys that have kind of come back over to it? As you mentioned, some yeah. of these off-road guys, they have started to really push it back out into the market. Yeah, and I, I think the most important part about this is, guys, these aren't the sexiest products in the world. Tire dressing is not the sexiest conversation to have. But it's so great to have more in our arsenal that you can go out and offer into your system. Or if you're a driveway guy and you just love doing your own cars, test a couple of them, see what works best for you. You may always be an ultra dress guy after you test the other two. You also might test one of the other two and go, hey, this is what I've been looking for. Right. And so that's what I think. And, and the thing about Quick Shine, to go back to that, that I really like is we found a way to get it more matte while still having some thickness to it. A lot of times when you when you use a matte shine or you dilute mm, something down, you get a little bit of that wrong. wateriness. Yeah. And, and and we've really taken care of these with the use in mind. What do we want out of the usage? Because we, we are one of you. We do detail cars. We do care about the use pro problem that we've all faced, like you said, with streaking or, you know, soupiness with a solvent-based so I think what you guys are going to find, it's going to be hard-pressed to go to any brand and find three tire dressings to have the user experience that ours have. And that means a lot because, again, pretty much for the entire year, we've been using these in my business. And, and a lot of people will be like, that's overkill. But it wasn't overkill for us because we did change them quite a bit month over month to get where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's what's been fun about sending stuff back and forth from we did it you know, today of – Nick goes, you're kidding me? And I'm like, what? I thought I would, this is a completely different product, right? But it was like, yeah. here it tested out great. But then it gets over into the, you know, to your dry environment. And you're like, no, this ain't working. I'm like, God, it worked great here. So yep. that yep. is the. And that's, that's what we're like version 72 on that product that we've been trying to develop. So we're, we're like yeah, we're something completely unrelated. But yeah, it is the fun part. And, and look because you and I are both kind of impatient guys and we want to get things out. One of the things we've had to really work on is just because something seems good enough, you can't release it. You got to get it to great. And I will say this of, of the three dressings that we have, there's not a single one that we don't keep in stock in my business. And I think that's the ultimate compliment from, from me and, and to you guys over at HQ and what you're doing and, and all the back and forth. It makes it worth it. It's a little overkill at times. There's no doubt, but this is a this is a great group of dressings now that you guys can do any project you come 
that you have for yourself or for customers, it's awesome. All right, inside the specialist group, I recently did a uh, poll looking at, you know, who uses rinse lists, what's their habits like. I think a new poll that I'm going to do, and I think these are fun to just kind of see who does what, is I'm going to do a poll on, on SEMA, right? Like, who's going? Who's excited? You know, do you go every year? Do you never go? Right? Try and get some understanding of what's going on. And I, I'm curious. I, SEMA, is it, we're now, we're now getting really close. And Next you know, week. it's interesting to see what people are putting out on social media you know, while Ford is apparently the game changer with the Bronco, now you can completely clean your car a different way. There's there's brands that are posting, you know, game changer, right? <laughs> Launching at SEMA. Every SEMA, there's a yep. game changer. Just as there's somebody that's going to fight somebody else at SEMA inside the detailing <laughs> industry, there's also always a game changer. I mean, it's just interesting. I didn't know the game needed to be changed every year by yep. a certain same couple companies that seem to be completely changing their game every year. So, you know, it's, it's not just the, you know, the game changers. It's also interesting to see who's peacocking, right? You yeah, know, it is. The, we've built this massive, uh, you know, massive thing you can come look at right come to our yep. booth it's massive yep. you know we're sharing with somebody else i guess we couldn't afford this but it is massive and yep. you know please come check it out right it's interesting to see moving into sema not only the peacocking not only how people are changing the game but also it's going to be interesting to see well who's at different booths right who has influence? Who doesn't? These are some yep. of the things let's dive into. So, okay, let's start off with just game changing of SEMA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to change the game by bringing a battery polisher, is my guess, is one of the big releases. I don't know. That's been done uh, by the biggest battery technology company that exists. Kind of stole some heat, you know, stole some thunder from a lot of companies last year uh, or within the last year. I think it's a little bit outdated. You know, people that think that SEMA is this driving force of, of a great release date. Actually, in detailing, there's probably no big, worse big release date than November. Because most of the United States, most most of the people that buy this kind of stuff in the U.S. especially, and you can say globally, the U.S. still dominates, you know, purchasing these products. They're going into slow season. So that's always been the funny thing about changing the game in November is by the time you get to March of next year, most people have forgot about your game changing. And so it doesn't seem like people have caught on that, that, that a lot of companies – have just started doing their releases and using SEMA a different way. But yeah, there's always, look, if you're going to pay the amount of money these companies are paying, I understand let's release things for SEMA, but it's a little bit outdated in my opinion. So when we released Sparta, I specifically wanted to change some stuff and I did not want to be a game changer. You remember? And you're like, yeah. what's your deal with that? And I'm like, listen, dude, I don't want to talk. I'm just, we're not changing the game. We're not. Yeah. It we're just, just releasing something reputable. Yeah. yeah, it just seems to be the thing that everybody wants to put out because we're going to SEMA, we're now going to change the game. Like, why is the game need changing? What? Yeah, just, just do your best, right? Like, at the end of the day, I think a lot of guys have caught on to this. Look, I said this about a bunch of big booths last year that I sent video and, and, 
and proof of multiple pictures, multiple days of guys spending $100,000 on a booth and nobody was in them the whole week. And I got multiple timestamps and multiple videos and I'm not trying to, to, to shame any company. I'm glad they're spending the money. I'm glad that SEMA is still a thing. I have to say that so much because guys think that by telling the truth of what goes on, that you're hating on people that spent the money. It's the exact opposite. I want it to be well attended. I want it to be massive because guess what? I live like, or my, my office, my shop is literally like a block away. So it doesn't do me any good to root against SEMA. But the reality is this year doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot done about the attendance issue and the detailing part. I hope I'm wrong. But you and I have talked to plenty of people. They're like, oh, don't want to go. Oh, God. Oh, we'll see. I mean, we know people that are only going to go there for a day because of last year. They're like, yeah, I'm going to fly in on Tuesday. I'm out Wednesday evening. It's like, what? I mean, it just wasn't thought about five, six, seven, ten years ago. I mean, people came for the whole week, man, and it, it was a whole to-do top to bottom, and, and it's just not that way now. Thoughts? I mean, if, if is, that, is that a tale? Is it just coincidence? Is it, you know, hey, listen, it, economy, you can never always have everything up. It's just a natural flow. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think everything, COVID changed the behavior of everybody, changed the behavior of us as a company or me as a company here in Vegas. It changed everything. Everybody or everything. That's where I think there's the interesting discussion is who still lives in the previous times and is always still trying to grasp onto what was. Well, yeah, we've kind of talked about this. I mean, you go back to, you know, podcasting at shows. It was really cool for a few years. Now it's kind of corny. Things change. Now they've moved over to some shows are just now you got a special room now we're gonna yeah. give you a special room to record out yeah and, and like i said it, it's okay that it had its time and it's okay that that time has passed like I, I told you last year there was a real like thing going around the detailing side uh, of and again i didn't witness a whole bunch of of this but where you know people had a booth and they had four guys holding a microphone talking at people that were supposedly sitting there and there was two people sitting there but you have four guys with microphones three feet away from the people. And it's like, hey, man, you can audible out of that. I know that was the plan, but how about we just get back to be human beings? I think there's been a lot of trial and error on things, which I completely appreciate as a company. You got to try some things. I'm hoping we see some audibles this year. Look, for us, you know, for me individually, SEMA is great because starting tomorrow, I have people coming in for meetings already, and SEMA's not even here. These guys are going to be here for two-week periods. Some bigger companies are going to have guys here a week ahead of time. Guys will be coming into my shop, flooding into my shop. I'll be able to sit and have meetings with high-value individuals that work for big companies and are decision makers. So SEMA works out great for you and I, right? Because literally it's a block away from, from, from my office, and we're ready to go. And, and so I hope it continues. I hope it People still attend, but I've had to think of SEMA way differently uh, for, for a variety of reasons because I, it's also what do you want to be associated with? You know, what, what are you, who are you going to stop and have a conversation with? Because now you got to figure 
a lot of people have dr drawn a lot of dividing lines and things. We only do business with these people and we're not going to do business with these other people. And will that change? I think the economy is going to change that attitude pretty quickly, but will that be apparent at SEMA this year? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what will be apparent is when I make that post and people will go in and they'll say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be there. Listen, we do want to walk the show, right? We do want oh, yeah. to point out why people do certain things, why we talk about stuff. So definitely go into that post. Let's talk. Let's see where you're going to be. And we'll walk around the show introducing yeah. people to really the, the, the front line of why we do business the way we do, why yeah. people do business the way they do. That is an interesting part of SEMA that not everybody thinks about is when you are out there, Listen, it, it also is a great way to see the way people do business. Yeah, I mean, and another word is reputation. You know, how people control their reputation, how people, I always say this, last year we had a ton of meetings and I can tell you not one of those meetings took place at the people's booth because most decision makers aren't hanging out in their booth. Hmm. And that's probably been the case for a decade or more. Many of these people are coming there specifically to have meetings. So let's say you're an executive of a film company. You're rolling into SEMA and you have a meeting on the hour every hour for three days. You're not sitting in the booth waiting for people to walk up. But the people that are at the booth waiting for people to walk up are usually reps or whatever. But all the decision makers are kind of away from the booth. Like I. I don't know that I saw a single film company have a high decision maker sitting there all day. Never happened. But this is where you get into, you have to understand that a lot of those men and women are controlling their reputation. They're not going to be seen at the booth. They're going to take meetings off the books over here at this restaurant, over here for lunch at my shop or whatever. And that's really them controlling the reputation of who they're associating with. And that's, that's a really game inside the game look at SEMA is how many people don't care about their reputation and how many people do and where those people fall in the structure of corporations. Everyone at the top cares. Everyone else just is out partying, drinking, having a good time, which, you know, good, good on you, man. I hope you do. I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for that. But, you know, a lot of reputations have been ruined at SEMA. There's no doubt about that. That is interesting, right? Like, as we've talked about people's uh, reputation on social, hmm, the other part of reputation does happen. Actually, when you you get to inner dialogue face-to-face -face with people and you really begin to see who they are. I, I think the reputation, and not negative, or I don't mean it anywhere in that way, is I'm interested, too, to see the next part of SEMA is, let's say I was talking to one of the YouTuber guys uh, last week, you know, hey, you're going to SEMA? No, I'm not. Nick will be there. You know, like, hmm. What booth are you at, right? Like this becomes the interesting part of a quote unquote influencer. Yep. Okay. Well, what booth are you going to be at? And there becomes the next little phase of interesting parts of SEMA is who goes to what booth, where are they at, you know, well, what does that mean then for the rest of the, right? Like this becomes the other part, not just the reputation that a quote unquote detailer goofs off or goes crazy or does stupid stuff, but also there's a reputation of the influencer. And this is why I find it funny is we've, we've probably all seen, I just, listen, I think it's interesting is the, the Caleb Williams, right? The guy out of USC, the quarterback, 
right? Yep. Saying that, hey, I'm going to go pro and I'm going to get a piece of the ownership. <laughs> like, hey, might want to might want to might want to check his on-field play here the last few weeks and uh get get back to worried about that, but yeah, I think it's a great thing to bring up. You you have a lot of people this influencer world is changing very very rapidly. You and I have really been seeing it for the last three years, and I think we've seen it pretty clearly for the last three years, uh, that influencers may or may not work. And there's a lot of companies leaning towards they don't work. Look, we have a a guy that's put a lot of years into this industry. He's on his fourth company in two years because they can't, companies can't work with him to find a place to fit where he could actually help them drive business and drive sales and drive awareness. I think this is going to be the biggest topic at SEMA. As a matter of fact, I know it is because I've already talked to enough people is where does social media fit into the next 12, 24 months? And are we seeing the death of the influencer? Are we seeing finally detailing, catching up to the rest of the world and going, you know what? It's one thing that Kim Kardashian with 4,500 million followers, but everyone kind of below that level doesn't really move the needle. And we're getting word out of people hey, I used to charge you for three videos on my channel. I'll now do five for the same price or 10 for the same price that I did three back in the day. Times are getting really weird on social media from YouTube to TikTok to Instagram. You have a lot of companies now discussing the, the, the value or the lack of value of being in business with certain individuals, and that's a large number of people. A lot of people have eaten off that bone for a long time, and I think that's coming to an end. Well, the, the quote that I saw from coming out of the Caleb Williams things was, know your worth, which is why I thought it was fucking <laughs> hilarious, right? Like, I mean, right? That, like, that's detailing 101. I, I wonder if some of the influencers are going to start realizing their worth or lack of worth, lack of yeah. worth to companies or – Will you start seeing some influencers go ahead and sign on, right? Which we've seen yeah. people that, hey, I'm going to start a podcast or, hey, I'm going to start this. And then a year later, they're signed on with a company and they're a sales rep for that company, right? Sure. We, you can go through and see multiple people that have done that. I'm going to start doing yeah. something, but, oh, I didn't quite make it. Let me go ahead and sign on with a company that's going to pay me. And I wonder yep. if some of these influencers that will start seeing that are crying. Yeah. Because there's no we're doubt. See, we're seeing, hey, no we're doubt, seeing a lot of public conversation. No doubt. There's a lot of people starting that are in the influencer space starting to cry. Yeah. I wonder if we'll start, if we take a picture of some of these guys that are at some booths, I wonder if they actually now begin to journey over and stay with them because the influencer space has, has changed. They weren't making any money. Yeah, I think, you know, to kind of end this conversation, what I think is, is going to happen, and I think it's, it's what we're seeing in brands as a whole, is that brands are having a hard time identifying the return on investment. So let's say I pay this person X number of dollars a month. Well, I got to double, triple, or quadruple that money to, to earn back what I've paid. That's never actually happened, right? We've talked to plenty of companies that out, have outlaid 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000 in a month and been like, man, the best I ever did was kind of break even. 
And that was even a stretch. Like I'm really stretching to tell you I broke even. And so as things start to tighten up and people start to take stock of what they're spending money on, that influencer money has come to a halt, which has basically been happening for two years. And this is now an active conversation amongst every company. You can't say that a year ago. Most people weren't even having a conversation about it at all. Now it's probably going to be the defining thing that I hear a lot about is what is going on on the internet and am I going to be a part of it? Am I going to do it differently? Here's our plan. That's what I'm the most excited about. And that's the importance of reaching the highest level individuals in these companies that actually make decisions because they're not sitting there talking about the industry. They're talking about specific business problems. And that's what I really get out of SEMA is I very rarely talk about the industry. What I end up talking about with a lot of decision makers is what do they see happening over the next six to 12 months? What do they see happening over these months? And I think that's what I'm most excited about. And plus, for I know a lot of brands and a lot of people listen to our podcast. For all of you that are our friends, it's a great time to, to, to meet up, have a drink, talk about what's going on strategize, share things, develop a, a further relationship. And we got some huge meetings set up, some things that, that we could partner with some different companies from different spaces. And so I always make the best of SEMA. I always have, and I always will. But I also will come on this podcast for all of you and tell you guys exactly how it's going. Well, absolutely. You mentioned something a second ago, and for everybody that is going to SEMA, you mentioned about guarding your reputation. Maybe it's the amount that you consume, <laughs> uh, whether that's food or beverage, right? Plenty of people that overconsume some other types of uh, things, not just beverage, that uh, might get them into trouble. Let's think about for a second if we're not going to SEMA. There's some wisdom in guarding our reputation. And it's not just about the actions, not just about that. It can also be the things we say, how we say them, whether that's to customers, whether that's yep. to brands that are our vendors, whether that's just to friends or people that we know, right? Guarding your reputation. Listen, I, this comes with a little bit of a sensitive subject for some because they go, listen, I can speak my mind. Hey, freedom of speech. I can say whatever yep. I want. Hmm. Is there a trade, though, of freedom to, well, commerce? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't ever say everything I want. I speak as openly and, and honestly as I can publicly, but there's some things that are off limits. I mean, we have a lot of information behind the scenes we could never share on here because it's not our right to do that. And it's, it's, there's been a bunch of incidents that have happened that, that we can't speak on because it's just it's kind of beneath us. And, and that's where your reputation really comes into to fold here is you got to realize, man, if you're trying to advance, people want to be in business with people that get shit done. That's the reputation you want. If you speak bluntly, but you get shit done, which I think is the camp I fall into, people are going to love being in business with you. If you speak bluntly and you don't get things done, you're going to have a harder time in life. It's that simple. And that's that's where we get into this talk of reputation and a lot of guys over a lot of years that I've been doing this have not guarded their reputation. Therefore, they get cut out of business opportunities. And the only thing I want to be known as is a good guy to be in business with. If I can always be a good person to be in business with, I'm always going to be able to get the meetings I want to get because people are going to say, hey, this guy is good to be in business with. 
And that's the reputation you ultimately want in business, in my opinion. So wisdom and guarding what we say, because there's a lot of us that, listen, it's not like it's roses. I love the people that their life is completely roses. They only talk positivity and positivity is hundred percent their life. And there's always uh, you know, Vegas clear skies with like San Diego, 70 degree weather, right? Like, great. Happy. You guys get to enjoy this like fictitious land, yeah. but yeah, for sure. I live in Oklahoma, right? Or I live in West <laughs> Virginia or I live in Utah or I live in, right? We have a lot of shit. There's a lot of crazy things that go on, right? Not that it does have that, yep. but you, I think people can yep. understand my point. There's some that do live in this like positivity, like fiction style world where everything is great. You and I don't live there. And you mentioned though, that you have to sometimes speak bluntly. Yep. There becomes a little bit of a, a buffer though, between things that we're thinking in our mind then that buffering that comes out of what we want to say. We've both failed at it many times of not pausing oh, yeah. long enough to think yeah. about what we're going to say. But how'd you get there? Because you've said publicly you used to have a pretty big temper. Yep. You didn't used to say, you know, the way you talk now. And people have said, uh, you know, inside the special group, hey, man, you speak very well. Right. And yep. you do. But you had to progress to that moment. Man. What was some of that like? If we're somebody that is curious about guarding what I say and how I say it, they might start thinking, okay, I could see there's some times that I've said some wrong things. Yeah. How do I get to that point? Well, first of all, I still say wrong things. So never, you're never going to bat a hundred percent. I certainly don't. It's just about getting don't. that batting average yeah. up. Huh? I just yeah. get the batting average up for me. <laughs> uh, you know, for me personally, man, I always want people to know where I stand. I take a lot of pride in that personally because I think there's so many people that talk in political correct speech and don't get things done and become very hard to be in business with. And look, we have some of these people we deal with at HyperClean and at VR and and you know, I had conversations with several of them in the last couple of weeks and 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 they're just not great business people to be in business with. Maybe you have to suck it up and eat it because they're they're valuable in some type of way to your business. But I think the world is flipping to what I call a very clear message when you're trying to get into a relationship with someone. Here's what I can do. Like, you'd be surprised how many people tell me, oh, we do 100 five-year coatings a month. Then they switch over to a coding brand, not even ours. And I'll talk to, to, to the CEO of that company and be like, yeah, that guy told us he does 100. He hasn't ordered 100 all year. Your reputation's damaged. You may not think it is, but it is. And so how did I get... Look, man, I had to look inside and realize I was making a lot of mistakes. I was costing myself opportunities. And I didn't want to cost myself every opportunity. There's certain people I don't want to be around and don't want to be in business with. And there's a lot of them in detailing that's that way. doesn't mean I dislike them. I don't even really know them on a personal level. just means I don't jive with how they do business. But there's a lot of guys that don't want to be honest that, dude, we all got weaknesses. I mean... We all got things we can get better at. And I had a lot of those things I could get better at. And I'm not perfect at any of them at this point. But it was more about I just kind of always took stock in who wanted to be around me, who was giving me business opportunities. And I've been pretty lucky over the last seven to eight years, nine years now, probably. The biggest companies 
with the people that I respect the most have always offered me opportunity. And I come back to, I never lied to anybody. Like I never said I was going to do this and didn't do it. Right. And that's what I care about with my reputation. I may have failed at some things, but I didn't outright lie at somebody and I can show them where I tried to do something or, Hey, look, I did this, but it didn't work out. Here's why I did it because you're not going to succeed at everything. But I think we're getting into a culture now where people are tired of the PC bullshit. They're tired of guys that sugarcoat stuff. They're tired of the over-promising and under-delivering. They're tired of a lot of things. I think this is what you see in the web space. This is why we've been so on this for the last, you know, six, seven, eight months is, man, the things coming out of the web space is a bunch of people over-promising and under-delivering. A bunch of people. And it's getting to a point where people are sick and tired of it. And so if you're, if you're honest and you're respectful, I don't think you'll ever have a bad reputation. Do you have people that don't want to be around you because they don't speak that way? Absolutely. Absolutely, Marty. We know that that happens. It happens to me. But I have to be okay with it at a certain point and go, That's just, I'm just not for that guy. Right. I didn't speak horribly to him. I wasn't disrespectful. I just sp spoke very directly. That's not how he wants to do business. It's all good. All right. I think so you just understand that that's what's going to be. Absolutely. Let's think about something for uh, most of us are listening would like to think that we're honest people. Sure. Right? I think most of us would like to think that we're honest people. When do we become dishonest? I guess would be an interesting question. Do, yeah, do we become dishonest? Like, are there, there are things that change us that we would want to like fluff up to make us feel or make others think that we're a certain way. Absolutely. This happens all the time. I, what you mentioned yeah. coatings, it's finances to people that wear certain things. I think if we begin to really dig through the layers of honesty Maybe if we look in the the mirror, we're not always as honest as we think we are of maybe why we want something or why sure. we're doing something a certain way. And is honesty becomes like sort of like a, a stake in the ground, like a, a flag that some of us should stand on. Like when we say that yes is yes, we mean yes is yes. I don't care if you like the way I said yes is yes. I'm not even yeah. concerned if you care the way I, I say no is no, because yeah. you're right. There's people that have talked to me and they go, listen, I'd rather talk to you because yeah. I, I'm not, you know, they, for some reason don't like to fall into your camp. They don't like yeah. your black and white mentality. I'm sure. a black and white guy too. I just, I do kind of have a little bit more of a hundred percent. If you want to nurturing is the wrong word, empathetic. I like to empathize yeah. with people, understand the way they think and, you know, talk yep. them through the way they think it's a different approach, yep. but either approach honesty still comes down to the core feature of, of you and I. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've had to be okay with that. Right. Where, but largely nobody will say that I was disrespectful. They just maybe don't like the way that I speak at times. But here's what here's what I have to live on. Are do I have a lot of decision makers in my phone talking to me consistently from a lot of different avenues in my life? Is the answer yes or is the answer no? If the answer is no, you got a lot of changes to make. If the answer is yes, 
then maybe you got to look at it and say, hey, there's some people that just aren't going to like me and that's okay. And But I got a lot of people that make decisions in a lot of big companies around the world that do value what I bring, that do value being in business with me, being in business with HyperClean and things like that. You know, look, we see this really deeply uh, rooting itself in the detailing space where every company wants to act like we're all friends. I don't think that at all. Plain and simple, I'm trying to win. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, I got to feed my family. I got to build my company. I take care of my team members. I got to make sure Marty and I are doing well. I got to make sure we're building for the future. Doesn't mean I dislike anybody, but I'm not going to do this kumbaya. And by the way, that's wearing thin with a lot of big shops around the country. You want to know why? Because it's fake. None of us are are buddy-buddy in this thing. It doesn't mean I don't have a beer with some of those guys and say, hey, hope everything's going well for you. But this whole kumbaya, we're all running trainings together. It doesn't sit right with a lot of people that make a lot of money in this business. And maybe the first time some of the companies that I know monitor our podcast have heard that, but we're taking a lot of your customers. You want to know why? We don't bullshit. I got no reason to bullshit. I had no reason to buy into HyperClean. I say this to people all the time. Marty, my company's massive in Vegas, meaning I was making more and I have investments in other things, real estate and whatever. I did this because I wanted to do it. I wanted to be in business with you. I wanted to build a chemical company. I wanted to do it. And at the end of the day, I want to do it our way. That's what I want to do. And I want to fall on that sword. And so, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical with people, but at some point, man, you got to just look at the logic. Pepsi and Coke don't hang out together. They actually make commercials saying Pepsi's better than Coke and Coke's better than Pepsi. We all don't hang out together, right? And so one of the things I think is changing overall in the consumer market altogether, not even detailing only, is that people are trying to find human beings that'll give it to them straight and just shoot them straight and say, hey, Sparta's a great coding. I'm not going to sit here and give you all these fancy words and do all these fancy... I'm going to tell you this shit works. That's what matters. All right, so you're old enough. Not everybody's going to be old enough, but if you're not, you know, just go YouTube it or, you know, go, uh, you know, there's some probably feed somewhere you can find. There's this show that used to be around. It was semi-popular. You might have heard of it. It was called Seinfeld. (laughs) Uh, I love Seinfeld. We're not talking about no soup for you guy, right? He was black and white. He was right in your face. If you yep. didn't do what he said you should do, no yep. soup for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's not the mentality which some people do they that there is a there is a group that start to hear this philosophy and they go, Yeah, but I can't be that rigid with people. I can't Agreed. speak to them black and white. I have to sugarcoat things. Sugarcoating, though, once you get down to business, and I think this is what ultimately you and I, we, we talk about yin and yang, ultimately you and I come to the center of a green on a, a philosophy, on honesty. We just got there different places, right? Mine Agreed. comes from way much more of a religious side, right? And and that black and white of sin, of death, of hell, like that's the way I was raised. Yeah. If I lie to you. I'm going to hell. I'm going to burn in, in eternal <laughs> that's, fire. Like, hey, that's a, that's oh, a that's tough forever, spot. Right? Like, yeah. I yeah. can't help it. I'm not trying to get into religious debate. That's just the way I was taught. So, yeah. 
So that's ingrained into my philosophy as a human. And as you grow then into a business, doing the right thing, you don't have to change the game every year when you go to SEMA. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just no, do the right 100%. thing. Yeah. And, and I think, look, man, uh, I want people to know this. I'm, I'm no expert on any of this. I'm just telling you the way that I've done it, right? The way that you've done it. That's all we ever share on this podcast. I hope guys understand that. I don't really judge if you guys want to do that. If somebody wants to operate their business, it's their business. We're trying to bring in the individuals, the DIYers, the professionals that that are that are tired of the status quo, tired of the the hype machine, and just want to take care of cars on a high level. That want to do things on an elite level. Cool, man. If that isn't you, it isn't you. No hard feelings. Like it, it's all good. I think I'll just go back to the, your circle tells you more about yourself than you're ever going to tell yourself. One of the things that I've judged myself on, do other elite business owners, not just detailing, want to be around me? Do I get invited to things? Do I get invited to events? Do they see me as professional? And if you ask Jess, I get invited to too much that I turn down. And that's a good thing. So you can judge, are you being included in these high-level things as you advance in your business? For you guys starting your business, all you got to do is guard your reputation more than you guard anything else. Do you do the things you say you can do? And if you can't do something, tell people you can't do it. They don't, they're not going to look at you negatively Absolutely. at Absolutely. all. They're going to look at you the opposite and say, hey, well, I got this guy over here. He can help you with that. Can you call him? I'll hook you up. And so, you know, look, man, I'm on a plane on, on, on Saturday going to the NLCS. I go to all kinds of fights. I got free tickets to the Sphere when there's $1,500 a pop to get in. Not because all this stuff I do for other individuals, but because there's a level of respect. And I care that people respect me more than they like me. That's the big thing that I've learned. You're not going to like everybody. Not everybody's going to like you, Marty. You and I talk and you go, oh, man, do you want to meet this guy at this? Uh, I don't really, we don't really jive like that. We all say that kind of stuff. But as you grow in your business and as you grow as, and by the way, you don't have to be an owner. As you grow as a team member in a business, how much respect are you getting from other people by them saying, hey, do you want to go do this? I mean, dude, how many dinners have I told you I've already turned down if I was, Doing all the wrong things, I wouldn't be invited to dinners with guys at nice places to sit down and chat business. And so I more or less take my moral compass from the way other people see me by inviting me and bringing me into business deals as well as other things. Because in the end, most of what I do in my life is business. The other stuff's my family, right? So it's business and family. And so the only way I can judge my business is, is my business going up? Are we getting bigger deals? Are we getting in bigger rooms? Are we doing business with more innovative people? If the answer is yes, we're on the right track. If the answer is no, I'm on the wrong track. And I leave it that simple. And I think you know that about me. It's like, we're in the middle of a deal right now. I can tell you, you can't say I'm a rigid guy during most of the deals I do that are big deals for us. Actually, I give give and take a lot of things. But do I have a line in the sand? Sure, I'm a human being. So do you. We all have a line in the sand. But I think one of the things that for you guys attending SEMA, you should be going there to develop relationships, man, not going there to look at product. It's cool to look at the product. It's even better to develop relationships. And that's the only advice I can give is that at the end of it, 
your network is your net worth. And if your network is a certain level, that's the only level you're going to get to. And it is a fight and a struggle to get yourself up those, those, those ladders. And it's been a struggle for me. And I've had a lot of mistakes caused by myself, but I've also changed and had a lot of things go my way. And doesn't mean I'm batting hundred percent because as Marty can tell you, I'm definitely not. Uh, and Marty's a lot better at stuff than me. And that's where you gotta, you gotta know yourself and you gotta know what's going on. But the only reason we've had success on this podcast, I hope all of you listening probably feel this way is that I speak my mind. It's going to rub some guys, but our listenership is going up and up and up. So I'm just going to take it and say, Hey, it is what it is. Well, it's what it is. What a great episode. A lot to chew on in this episode. A lot to chew on. Dove through a couple different things and probably at the end of it all, if it's not choice of tire shine, maybe it is choice of our <laughs> reputation. That is the most valuable nugget that we get out of this episode. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next week.